You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hey, David. Hello. How are you? I am. Well, I'm here, which is a, a bonus. Uh, I'm okay. I'm tired, but I'm all right. When did you get in back from Greece? Uh, late last night. Yeah. Yeah. So. So we spent a week over there trying to straighten them out, and you know, till the months. They weren't having it, but I think they got the message in the end. Once they started wailing on people, then... Uh, Some, you know, sometimes that's what it takes. I think so. I think you, know, <laughs> you, sh- you should start with the beating before you even say anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, then people will get, get the idea. <laughs> totally no, agree. It was, yeah, it was fine. Um, as I was, I was, the weather was nicer than, than it was back home, which is always a bonus. Yeah, I would imagine that most of the time the weather in Greece would be nicer than the weather in the, the UK. Yeah, yeah, definitely. L- much less changeable, much more static, but uh, uh, and considerably warmer. I was in, uh, as you know, Minneapolis the week before, and then Chicago this week, Chicago next week, and then Washington, D.C. Wow. Yeah. You're also getting around in your tea half hour. I am. The one in uh, Washington, ostensibly, is fun. Um, it's it's kind of... I'm taking vacation hours, but it's not really a vacation. Uh, me and Julie and the two little ones are going to watch the two older girls in a parade in downtown Washington, D.C. for Memorial Day. Wow, that'd be nice. Yeah, it's like a 13-hour car ride. That part won't be nice. No. <laughs> With a four- and an eight-year-old who... Wants to do everything but sit there quietly. But what I'm yeah. going to do, I'm going to take the uh, the first generation and the third generation iPad, going to load them both up with a bunch of kid movies and stuff, give them headphones, and uh, let them watch videos and stuff. That's going to be the way to do it. I think so. That's what I did on the flight out. But I, the, the flight out to um, Greece kind of exposed a problem with my iPad, which means I, I need to go and see the Genius Bar next week, which is uh, something I'd not noticed before. But there is dust under the screen. Oh, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. And um, nord- ordinarily, you can't really see it because nord- ordinarily the iPad is obviously lit from above because that's where the lights tend to be and that's where the... The sun is and all of that, and you can't really see the dust. But when you're on an aircraft, obviously you're mostly lit by the window you're sat next to. So the uh, the iPad was lit from from the left or the right side, and obviously the light then reflects uh, refracts through the glass. And it just picked up these three big old chunks. Of, they're not small as well. I mean, one of the issues with the Retina displays because the pixels are so small. If you've got anything under there, it looks huge. Yeah. Uh, and it, of course, it's one of those things. Once you've seen it, you can't not see it. You know. Mm-hmm. So um, it became quite distracting. So I'm going to have to go and go up to uh, an Apple store next week and get that looked at. Yeah. Anything underneath the uh, Retina display looks big. That's why I yeah. keep it in my uh, front pocket. Oh, with your phone. <laughs> I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, was, I was letting you get there on your own. Yeah, yeah, so I'm a bit <laughs> slow today. <laughs> they'll, they'll just replace the iPad. They're not going to fix know. it. I know. Um, but yeah, you know what it's like when you've got something that you love and it's new and then all of a sudden you find it's not, it's not, not lovely anymore. And what you do is you tell them, say, you know, I bought this thing and for whatever reason it's only showing 32 gigs instead of the 64 that it should be. <laughs> I don't know why it's doing that either. 
So if you could hook me up with a... Somebody tells me that won't fly. No, probably not. I kind of wish I would have bought a white iPad now. Why is that? I don't know. I see a lot of white ones in the wild, and I think, ooh, every time. Ooh, I kind of like that. Maybe the ne- maybe the next one. Yeah, I'm not convinced, but you know, uh, I it, I guess it's a it is a taste thing. Uh, I I like to me black is more of a tech color than white. Yeah, I don't I, know. I, was never th- I really like my yeah. white iPhone though. Yeah, I was never that really that keen even on the white polycarbonate Max because you know. No, neither was I. Yeah, but I don't know. It's it's different. I'm uh, so last week, I, as I said, I was at that um, that ASMC event, mm-hmm. and one night's the vendor fair. It's kind of like a mini MacWorld Expo, except for it wasn't so many. There was over a hundred vendors there, and got to see some really cool products. You know, of course, they're all trying to get me to sell them in the store. Yeah, and it really, really made it hit home for me, anyways how much I detest this magnetized iPad 3 cover. Same one on the iPad 2. I hate it. This is the smart cover. Yes, I hate it. Just hate it. Why is that? What's wrong with it? Well, you know, I had that iPad 1 for two years that my wife is using now. Yeah. And when I pick it up, and uh, I just noticed she didn't have this plugged in. I should probably plug this in for her. Um, I like the cover, the, the original Apple cover for it. Yeah. I really like that cover, and I and I don't like this flappy thing. It's not particularly useful because I usually use it uh, the long way up on the iPad portrait. Yeah, and this smart cover doesn't do anything to allow you to prop it up that way at all. And then when I use it the other way, like if I'm playing a game or something and I don't remove the cover. It's just flapping around back there. I don't like it. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna replace it. I saw some really nice ones uh, at the vendor fair that we're gonna get in. I'm gonna try a few of them, pick the one I want, and then I'll tell you which one that is. But the, I think third parties are doing a better job on the newer covers. I think Apple did it perfect the first time around, and then I think they got it completely wrong the second time around. Well, I think the problem is is that everyone castigated the first cover. They said it was terrible. I hated it at first because it showed every fingerprint. If you slightly scuffed it, that scuff mark is there forever. And yeah. For those reasons, I hated it. But for the thinness, the way it covered it, uh, the feel in your hand, I loved it. And I grew to love it even more over time. And now, I miss it. And I've had you know the iPad 3 for, what, three months now? Two months? And I and I hate the flappy magnetized cover. It's just and I got the black one, mm-hmm. but it, and it's not holding up well. The bottom of it is kind of I don't want to say peeling up, but I have to say, pretty much every one of those I've ever seen, uh, I don't have one. I I use the um, I use the thing from Twelve Self that I mentioned a few weeks ago. Yeah, it looks like a book. Looks like a basic, like a book, but um, everyone, every smart cover I've ever seen looks really grubby and horrible um, <laughs> because they just seem to really pick up all, all sorts of dirt and rubbish, and so they, they always look really kind of down market to me. Yeah, it always looked like they need a good wash. Uh, so, 
couple other t- things. I, go, oh no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, I, one, th- I got something recently that I used on the on the plane that was really good for my iPad. Oh yeah. Um, that I'd not seen before. It's something called a Pad Pivot. Haven't heard of that before. So it's it's like a little fold out stand. It's kind of it's one of these things that was done on um, on Kickstarter. Ah, uh, and it's really kind of cool. So it's a little fold-out stand. You fold it out, and it has kind of has a little curved base, and then it has um, a gimbal mount on the top with a flat pad. And the flat pad has that, you know, that stuff that's very sticky, but you can t- kind of take stuff on and off it, and it stays sticky all the time. It doesn't wear out. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. Of stuff. Yeah. Yep. So the idea is, is you you kind of stick that to the back of your iPad, um, and then this kind of little mount is is mounted on the back and because it's curved it folds out curved you can then kind of rest the iPad on your leg on this little curved mount and it's incredibly stable and you can rotate it portrait uh, landscape however you want it and it just basically means you don't need a table or anything like that if you want to do some typing or play a game or watch a video it's, it's kind of balanced on your thigh and it's, it's like always in the you just adjust it to whatever position you want um, and that's really kind of cool. And the other thing is it has some slots in it as well. So if you don't want to use it like that, you can unstick the iPad and just prop it up in these slots and it becomes like a conventional stand. So um, it's pretty nifty and it folds down to a little tiny little tiny uh, flat thing that goes in your bag and it was pretty good. Awesome. I was impressed. Also at the uh, ASMC Vendor Fair, I met the... Uh owner of 12 South. And as I've told you, you know, I've heard his story a few times. Yeah. And I related it on an episode of Tech Fan a month ago or, or so. Yeah. How he was dissatisfied uh, and, you know, all that. Did you mention to him that we talked about I, stuff? On the- I did. And uh, it was I had a nice talk with him. His wife was there as well. And she's on the cover of a magazine right now. I don't remember which one. It was like Business Week or something. It was a kind of a big deal. He was more excited that she was on that cover than anything else. He could not wait to pull this magazine out and show me, which I found very telling about his character. <laughs> yeah, he's he's very proud of his wife. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so I told him about you know our conversation here, and yeah. I said I'd love to have you on Tech Fan. To you know, firsthand talk about your story, where you came from, how you got into design, where uh, the new company came from, and all that. And he said, "Absolutely." So we'll That's have him cool. on tech. Now he's in California, so eh, you know the time might not work well. So we might have to schedule a day if one of us can't be there. So be it. But I think it'd be worth it to get him on the show. It's very interesting. And I, like I said, I think the stuff that they're making, I love the compass. It's yeah. a it's a little stand, but it looks kind of like a compass. And I don't mean for those listening, I don't mean yeah. a, a directional compass. <laughs> yeah, I, I have I have a compass, and I do love it. It's really really good. The only problem I have with it is that I get um, with airport security. <laughs> it's a weapon. Pulled over every time you go through one of those in because it looks like a weapon. Yeah, when it's folded up. <laughs> mm. But uh, but yeah, this stuff's great. Yep. So I met him. That was great. Um, I got, uh, they, they have this drawing, a raffle thing, mm-hmm. and I won a prize. I was quite pleased. And I was more pleased that I was the second second or third person that won something, so I didn't have to stand there all night. Because once you won, you know, that's you're not going to win again. And what I won, I just sent you a link to this. It's from Zag. Right. It's called the Zag Keys Solo. 
and it's a little Bluetooth keyboard that's very reminiscent of a MacBook Pro when you look down at the keyboard. Yeah. And it has a little slot that you put your iPad in, and it just works. I mean, it's a miniature keyboard, so it's, you know... Yes, one of the one of the slight downsides of all of these ones that kind of are designed to sit with the iPad is that they're only they're only as big as the iPad is, and that's just a little bit too small. Yeah, it is. But um, but it works but, well. I gotta yeah. say, I I turned it on, went to Bluetooth, turned Bluetooth on, it saw it. It said push these four keys. I did. It synced. Or I and should so have said it paired. Yes, yeah, so this isn't one that's like a case. This is just no. A it's just a standalone keyboard. Okay. And I think there's a place for this, and you know it's it's seventy bucks, mm-hmm. um, sixty nine ninety nine. And honestly, after playing with it, yeah, I I probably will stock some of these. Yeah, I I can see why people don't want the bigger, thicker pads or uh, cases that have the built in keyboard. But when they need a keyboard, it'd be much easier just to pull this out, pull off your magnetized crappy cover, or I mean, uh, Apple cover, and just stick it on this thing. You know, you know what I I I have a, a folding keyboard for um for my for my iPad. You know, so it's one of it, they used to make them for Windows. Yeah, um, I remember PDAs and that sort of thing. And you can't really buy them anymore. I picked them on mine secondhand off eBay, and it's great because it folds out down something that's smaller than the, it's about the size of an iPhone. When you fold it out, you actually get a full travel, full width keyboard. That's nice. Um, I. And Bluetooth. I don't understand why people don't go back to that design. Maybe it's too complicated. I don't know. Uh, you know what I think it is? It's it's too many companies are looking at the stylings of the iPad and they're thinking that customers don't want anything wider than that. And I think they're wrong. I think people yeah. want the convenience of the iPad, but when they need a physical keyboard, they really need a full-size keyboard. These miniaturized keyboards, and now the Zag one isn't much smaller than a normal keyboard, but for my hands, it feels smaller. I could tell the difference. I, I have to concentrate to type on it. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that everybody would have that problem. I'm saying I personally have that problem. But then again, I use, you know, a mid-80s type of keyboard with my Mac. I mean, you know, that's that's this fun sound. <laughs> that David loves to hear. Um, uh, well, you know what? You know what? For all I for all I've said to you, oh, it's loud and all that sort of thing. I found myself browsing eBay for those the other day. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought it'd be quite cool to have in the office. There's a there's a new know when I'm working. Well, they yeah, you're not going to disguise it. That's for sure. Yeah. They do have the quiet keys, but yeah, what's it's like putting two mufflers on a Porsche. What's the point? Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. So let's take our first break, and uh, we'll be right back. Hi, Timothy Gregoire here from the Church Tech Geeks podcast. Well, I'm about to run a sound check here at the church for a concert, but I want to take a quick moment to tell you about the Church Tech Geeks podcast. It's a weekly show that talks about all things live production and church technology. We talk about topics from live sound, lights, and media to building websites for your organization. Join me each week as I walk you through some useful skills or while I talk to special guests from Adam Christensen to Nate Rake in a media shout. Now, if you excuse me, I have the concert run. The Church Tech Geeks is a member of the Stoplight Network. It can be found in iTunes or at thechurchtechgeeks.com or in the Attack of the Stoplight Network feed. Ever think about becoming a podcaster? Thinking, wow, you know, that's probably way too hard. Well, we have a solution. 
The Stoplight Network is looking for brand new shows to join the network. Won't cost you a dime. In fact, you might actually make some money off of it. So if you've always wanted to podcast and it seemed way too daunting, drop me a line. My name is Tim Robertson. I am the host of Tech Fan. I started the MyMac Podcasting at the dawn of podcasting, and I can help you get your podcast up and running. Simply send an email to Tim, that's T-I-M, at MyMac, M-Y-M-A-C, dot com. Tim at MyMac.com. Let's get your show ready for prime time. La, 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 la. Hey, hey, Kevin, what are you doing? Oh, uh, I'm just warming up for our big uh, music number. Music number? Yeah. We we don't we don't do music numbers on our podcast. The uh, Mac Specialist Podcast is a tech podcast. We talk about Apple computers and solutions to people's technology problems using Apple computers, and occasionally we talk about Google solutions, and we talk about you know using iOS and how to manage iOS devices and how to think IT if you're a small business owner. But we definitely don't do musical numbers. No music? Oh, man. Well, you're not going to cut the dance routine, are you? No, no. You, we, we're definitely going to do the dance routine. And once again, you can find that in iTunes, as well as all the other podcasts that are a part of the Stoplight Network. Simply go to stoplightnetwork.com. And if you're online, make sure you check out techfanpodcast.com. If you're going to buy anything on Amazon, click the Amazon button right on techfanpodcast.com. Buy whatever you're normally going to buy, and Amazon will send me and David a Porsche. Wait, oh, maybe finally. not. <laughs> finally, finally. Oh, boy. I, you know, it'd be nice to have a Porsche, but I, would, I don't have anywhere to park it. I guess it'd be, it'd be a good pl- problem to have, I suppose. I suppose so. Well, if, if somebody gave you a Porsche, you could sell it and then use the money for something else. It held so, the value pretty I, well. I could, I could probably pay off my house with the profits from a Porsche sale. I mean, I only yeah. owe like fifty nine thousand, fifty eight thousand left on my house. Yeah, I could sell a Porsche for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so if anybody's out there listening wants to get rid of their Porsche, just sell it and send us the money. Dave and I yep. will split it. Jump and, done. Uh, yeah, sounds good. So what's going on with you were you were mentioning Adobe. I have to be honest, David. I was very busy at work this week. I didn't have a whole lot of chance to uh jump on the internet and keep up with the news. Um my time on the internet for the last couple of days have been spotty at best. And I'm like halfway through this article on a site that I hate, Gizmodo, but it's a really good article about how uh Yahoo killed Flickr. Yeah, I've read that one. I, I'm about halfway through. It's a great article so far, and I, I want to finish it. But every time I try to get back into it, something pops up that I have to go do. So, Yeah, busy times. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, this is, again, I, I've not had a lot of time this week myself to uh, kind of keep up with what's been going on. This is something that was bouncing around the internet earlier in the week. So, um, And, and it, it kind of came to my mind because um, a couple of people I follow on Twitter were commenting that uh, the conversion rates for the pricing for CS6 um, between the US and the UK didn't seem very fair, and that the euro price and the UK price seemed 
skewed rather than just direct version. And I kind of got into the, the, you know, the conversation about that. I mean, Adobe doesn't actually convert the price. They just set whatever price they think they can get away with. And Photoshop is hella expensive. (laughs) Yes, it Um, is. And, and, uh, you know, this version has caused a lot of controversy right from its inception because for a while they said that there was going to be no upgrade path for previous users, that they would just have to buy the full price version. Um, if you had, um, I think if you didn't have CS 5.5, and 5.5 itself was a, was a paid upgrade over 5. Um, and they've got this new subscription model. And the, the big fuss this week was that they said they weren't going to do any security updates for CS5 or CS5.5. Basically, they had found some security flaws in, uh, in some of the uh, Creative Suite software, and a recommended um, patch option was, well, these are patched in CS6, so if you can buy that, that'll do you. Which, you know, time back to the fact that this is, as I said at the beginning, very, very expensive software, um, you know, caused quite a lot of fuss, and sure enough, they had to climb down from that. But, uh, you know, I... <laughs> I came to conclusion after this and some other problems I've had with Adobe that I, I'm just not buying Adobe software anymore. I don't care how good it is. I think um, as a company, um, I don't want to do business with them anymore. I can understand that. and Unfortunately, that's really not an option for a lot of people, especially in the graphic design industry. And uh, you pretty much have to live in Adobe. But by the same token, I can't tell you how many customers come into Mac Specialist needing to get their old G5 fixed, and we say, you know, well, it's probably better that, honestly, you, you don't fix this and you get a new computer because it's going to cost you, you know, three quarters of the price of a new one. And the response is, I can't use a new computer because I'm still on CS3. That Adobe's products are simply too expensive for me to upgrade as a freelancer. Yeah. And I totally get that. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, but but here's the thing. I am somebody who has older versions of, fo- of, of Adobe software, fully licensed, boxed, CD'd copies. Um, and when I have tried to include those um, with computers I've sold on eBay before, Adobe have shut me down. They've basically had the auctions pulled by complaining to eBay. And this is, what, this is the problem I have with them. It's not so, not so much that each individual version is expensive because I think if you look at the cost while it is expensive, if you look at the cost of Creative Suite, what the power you get in it and the fact that it's kind of pretty much an industry standard, those prices are justifiable on an individual basis. Yeah. The difficulty I have is that, you know, every year to 18 months they come out with a new version, yeah, and now they're starting to do this thing, oh, but they don't want to provide upgrade paths, they don't want to provide um, security patches to the previous version, even though it's less than a year old. Um, they don't want you to be able to resell your old copies if you buy a new one. You know, if you, if you go out and buy CS6 today, they're saying they can't resell that copy of CS3 you've upgraded from, even though they didn't give you an upgrade path. This is a company that, that you know, they need a kick in the behind from their consumers, not, uh, not a constant revenue stream. Well, as far as selling old versions, that's kind of industry-wide when it comes to software. That's not just Adobe. Microsoft's the same way. Um, most companies that sell software is the same way. They don't give you the license to resell that software. It's in the licensing agreement. Most companies are like that, David. 
Yeah, the difference is, is that most companies put it in the license agreement but don't actively go out and stop you from doing it. No, that's true. That is true. Adobe actually goes. And, and the problem is, is that it's not intelligent. It's not, oh, well, you, you're trying to do this. Let's come to In fact, you do have a right to do that, but you have to agree it with Adobe up front. That's the terms of their licensing agreement, is that you have to agree it with them up front. Because I looked into it after this happened. But the problem is they don't make it easy for you to do that. Um, and they will have your auctions pulled whether you've done that or not. You know, I think it's, they're becoming a little bit like Quark used to be. Yeah. Quark used to be just just terrible. And I hated dealing with them simply for the fact that they were so arrogant. And I was a big cheerleader when Adobe came out with competing software and page layout. Yay, we got choice now. And Adobe at that point was much better than they are now as far as how they deal with customers. But I think now that Adobe kind of rules the the roost, yeah, that it's it's more than a little arrogance now. And, and I think well, you might be right. They need a swift kick in the pants. But I think they need it by a competitor who comes up and cleans their clock. Yeah. I'll, well, like, you know, I'm in that position. I really wish somebody would do because, um, I, you know, I, I am – I literally have decided now I'm just not going to – I'm not going to buy any more of their software. I'm done with it. You well, know, you know – I will stick with the versions I've got, and uh, if, it, if I can't use the newest features, then I'll kind of live with that, really. Um, because I'm just not, you know, I, I use a lot. I use a lot of Illustration, I use a lot of Photoshop, um, a little bit of InDesign. You know, I do some poster work for people and that sort of thing sometimes. But I've got to be honest: most of what I used to do in InDesign, I can do in Pages now, pretty, pretty yeah, much I know. as well. It's a nice, it's a nice program. Pages is you know, I, I've done quietly things. coming up to kick yeah. Adobe's butt. I did some I did some posters recently for our local parent teacher association for the school and they were knocked out by how good they were. Awesome. Um you know, and I was able to I was able to make changes very quickly in a way that, that InDesign probably wouldn't have allowed me to do. Um and uh, yeah, I think you know, I and I feel with with the way they behave, I do feel sorry for people who are, you know, in in like you know full time creative uh, application suites who who are stuck with having to buy it when they're behaving like this. Well, you know, I've, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to have a couple of days, uh, pretty much free, David. If we can get together, we could just hammer out a Photoshop competitor. You know, I don't think yeah, it, okay. it, a couple of days. I think that should be enough. But uh, yeah, this is the thing. I mean, they, they, yeah, they've got some real leading edge tools now. I understand that. Um, but a lot of what they do, a lot of the basics of what they do, there are there are competitors who can do it yeah. nearly as well. You know, in much larger, certainly a lot, lot uh, less expensively. Mm. And those competitors also provide security updates without stinging you to buy the new version. You think it's just a lack of knowledge on users' part about the competitors that you could get 90% of the features, i.e. Uh, good text control, layers, transparency. No, I, I, I don't think it's, it's... It's a productivity issue. Basically, if you're in um, creative media and you need to hire um, you know, somebody who does uh, vector drawing for you or um, layout work or something like that, if they know Photoshop or they know Illustrator, they know InDesign or one of the other programs... Um, then they just come in, they start working on the creative stuff. You don't need to train them. You don't need. They don't need to 
uh, have lost products is who are they learn something new and that's that's what adobe that's the standard that adobe has kind of managed to create for itself is the fact that you know there's a large body of professional people out there who know the products inside out and could just sit down and start working with it uh, whereas you know if you switch say if you could say oh well for most of what we do uh, in photoshop we could do in pixelmator uh, or vector drawer or one of these other kind of you know applications yeah you could do but you'd need to there's there's a much you know smaller pool of people who will be able to to be as productive with those so, those software packages as to adobe so it, you know that's kind of it's it's kind of like how you know um 25 years ago nobody ever hired a, a secretary who's going to work on a computer who didn't know word perfect inside out yeah true um, so, so that that's kind of that's kind of what it is. It's not it's not. I don't think it's a feature war now. It's about um, you know the inbuilt knowledge base of people who can use the software, which which makes it tough for a competitor. I mean, Quark had the same Quark had the same deal. It's just they really did torpedo their market, and so people started moving away. You know, I looked. I remember looking at job boards a while ago. And one of the questions a lot of these online applications ask for is your proficiency in Microsoft Word, then Microsoft Excel. And there's always like, I'm a beginner uh, or a novice, uh, I'm proficient or I'm an expert. And I remember thinking, as much IT work as I've done in, in, for many years, there's very few experts in any of those programs. Because most people, 99.9% of the people, use a very small percentage of the features of the software that hasn't changed in 20 years. I would say the same thing is true with Adobe and their creative suite for at least eight years. Most people don't use half the new features. They use a core group of tools. And... Of course, I always lied and put expert on all of them. Um, of course. <laughs> because, well, who's, there's, I guarantee there's no one in the company who would be able to challenge me. No, and, and not only that, everybody's resume is an exaggeration of the reality. Well, this was an application. It wasn't the yeah. resume part. Yeah, Yeah, but, but even so, you know, you, it's a distortion of real life. It's not actual real life. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, times change. Software changes. Uh, attitudes change, standards definitely change. You would think that they wouldn't change that much because that's kind of the definition of a standard, but standards change. Yeah. And I kind of agree with you. Uh, I think the only thing that's going to make Adobe change is people stop buying the products. I think 18 months is way too quick for this many software titles in the whole group to be updated. It's kind of ridiculous. But the fact that they're not really supporting a version that you you bought a year ago or even six months ago, that's insulting. And I would say probably borders on illegal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, the, I, I've, this is this, uh, immediately when this happened, people start saying, well, hang on a minute, this is still in support. Why can they not issue security patches when it's still in warranty effectively? Uh, I agree with you. I suspect um, had they continued with it, they would have found themselves on the end of a lawsuit, and which I don't think they would have won. Uh, and and look, who knows? Maybe this was some this was some dumb 
marketing person who thought it would be a good good way to drive um, upgrade sales for CS6, or maybe it is a, a illustration of the fact that Adobe recognizes that you know 18 month upgrade cycle and then over two thousand dollars for the whole suite um you know is is starting to hit their bottom line in terms of the number of people who are prepared to upgrade i've got to imagine and just anecdotal evidence that i have that many people are not upgrading to the latest and greatest adobe software in great numbers like they used to because it's so freaking expensive at a time where and I'm and this is I'm talking to someone that just came from Greece for God's sakes. Yeah. That the economy is not what it could be. People don't have that kind of cash and scratch laying around for a piece of software. That the new version is of limited use as far as the new features. So yeah, I, I think, you know, they're gonna have to wake up soon. Yeah. And also as well I think it undermines their subscription model. Um, you know they're trying to sell people on the, on the subscription version of of Creative Suite, but what sort of message does it say? Just you're trying to kick that off. If well, here's a here's a group of users who bought a product less than a year ago and we threw them under a bus. Yeah, you know it wasn't even in some ways. It, you know it would be better if it was bug fixes they weren't dealing with because you know bugs bugs can be annoying. But a lot, most bugs can be worked around. There's very, unless it's a you know complete crash and burn bug, there are most uh, most bugs can be kind of you know you can find a way of coping with them in your workflow if you absolutely have to. But this was a security update. This was basically stuff that they put in your machine that allowed your machine to be compromised. Yep. And they would sit around saying, oh well, yeah, just buy the new version. It's not two thousand dollars. <laughs> Okay, thank we you. We it there. It's, you know, it'd be like Toyota saying, oh, yeah, you know, those, you know those cars we sold where the accelerator sticks and uh, you might die? Well, there's an easy fix for that. Just buy a new Toyota. <laughs> I didn't think about it. That's a great analogy. Yeah, and, and let, me, let me say that's a joke in that we all know that... Um, that this is, that's not to... That's that, not to that, yeah, Toyota cars don't really do that. And no. That was like uh, a, one, you know, a, few, a few isolated incidents. That wasn't a general problem. But nevertheless, you know, can you imagine the PR? Oh my God! Just buy a new car. Commercials that come out and say that <laughs> to the families who were hurt by the recent. Please yeah. buy a new Toyota. If you're, like <laughs> <laughs> so, back in the seventies. If your loved one died in a Pinto fire, yeah, the new use Pinto. Use insurance money to buy a new Pinto. We fix that problem. <laughs> oh crap! That's funny. <laughs> That's just funny. Wow. But Could that, you imagine? I mean, that, is, that is literally what it's coming down to. I mean, that, I, we've talked before about, um, you know, how, how, how I believe many, many companies treat their, uh, treat their users terribly. And I think this is yet another example of the... Um, and the fact that anybody within the organization could think that in any way that that was an acceptable way to behave, to say to users who bought a product a year ago just buy the new version to get the bug fixes to me speaks volumes about what drives what drives the um, business decisions within that company and I find it very very disturbing and that's really what it comes down to with me it's a principal thing and as far as I'm concerned if that's the way anybody who works there can think then I'm not interested in giving them my money anymore good point to which I say 
I'm heartened by the success of iOS because it, more than any other platform since shareware was invented and became a big thing, it really highlights, I want to say the power, but that's not the right word, the innovation and the great work smaller developers are doing, that they're getting it right. The, uh, 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 for instance, um, Instagram just sold to Facebook, which is unfortunate. But it yeah. was a small team that got it right, that did the right thing by their users. These small game developers selling their products for a buck, 99 cents. And continuously upgrading and making the games better. And coming out with a really cool new level or a map or something and selling it as an in-app purchase for 99 cents. That's cool. But then you look at Adobe and what they're doing, how we talked two weeks ago about EA and what they're doing with game development. And you see a huge difference between the smaller developers and the bigger developers. The ones that don't have big legal teams or big PR teams um, driven strictly by profit, and that's it. That's all they see. Compared to the smaller developer teams who, who actually talk to the users that read yeah. the, the feedback on iTunes, uh, read their emails when people are having problems, and actually fix the problem, and more than just fix it, apologize to the users who is experiencing problems. I see, you see that. They, yeah. We're so sorry that this was going on. Here's the fix. Please upgrade. And again, we're, we're very sorry about this. It's refreshing. And the popularity of those type of games, those types of productivity applications, both on iOS and a lot of them on the Mac OS, stuff like Evernote, um, yeah. it's really heartening to me, David, that... In some respects, it is changing. It is. There's a new guard replacing the old guard. It can't happen soon enough. But there's lessons to be learned there from the larger developers and the larger companies that I don't think they're really listening yet. But I don't think it's going to take too much longer for them to really start paying attention. Well, again, you know, the rise of the App Store uh, concept in general. I mean, obviously, iOS is has pushed and now there's a Mac app store and, you know, Microsoft are talking about doing a Windows app store and there's a everyone's Google. doing app stores. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, is that is, I know a lot of people are concerned about that. Um, you know, they're concerned about the level of control um, some of these providers may have over the software that's sold and what it can do, what it can't do and that sort of thing. But you know what? That is taking s small developments stuff in the past that used to be shareware just on a website and unless they got hit by a big blog review or something you know many people never got exposed to it's given them a huge captive market and solves all their mechanisms of distribution and payment collection and everything in one fell swoop and that's a that's a pretty good deal for a small developer it's democratized it's democratized uh distribution yeah. as well as leveling the playing field when it comes to look adobe's still going to be able to spend a ton of money in advertising but if you come up with a really good product for the iphone 
I don't care if you spend no money at all on advertising. If it's a good product, word of mouth alone with stuff like Twitter and Facebook and just talking to people and good reviews in the iTunes store, people on podcasts talking about it, people on websites talking about it, your product will sell, it will do well, and people will know about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's level the playing field. Yeah, I mean, you know, even with Photoshop or something like that, if you you know the Pixelmator guys, they're selling toe to toe with Photoshop Elements in the App Store. Yep, and it's only a matter of time. At the moment, all the mega hits, all the um, huge deals, which have led to companies like Instagram being bought for a billion dollars, and you know, the guys who made Angry Birds making an absolute fortune and that sort of thing. All of those have come from iOS. Yep, it's only a matter of time before one of the computer app stores, whether it be a Windows one or whether it be the Mac app store. You know, some small developer has a monster hit and, you know, goes from being, you know, a, a bedroom coder to being overnight a big company worth millions of dollars. It's only a matter of time before that happens. And the the next big Photoshop competitor will definitely come from that space. I'm I quite agree. sure of it. I, I totally agree with you. And more, you don't have to sell out. And this is one of the things that, uh, that, article we were talking about in the last segment about Flickr on um, yeah uh, whatever that website is I'm not going to name um, Yahoo yeah uh, well Yahoo buying Flickr but I'm um, Gizmodo yeah it really highlights the fact that Flickr was so far ahead of almost everybody and it was selling out to Yahoo which killed it because the corporate culture was totally different there. And they didn't care about the user-generated content, which was the golden goose. They were only looking at the one golden egg, which was this huge database of content. Not realizing that if you don't pay attention to the golden goose, you're not going to get a second golden or a third golden egg. Yeah. And because you can have success now and you can have money, yes, maybe you won't be a billionaire, but... Honestly, if you're a millionaire, who cares? You've got enough to live on. (laughs) You know what I mean? You don't have to sell your soul to be successful. And that's what I hope happens more and more and more. The people at Dropbox have had many offers to buy that company. Even from Apple. Even from Apple. And they said no. And they really haven't changed a whole lot. And they've got a business model that's obviously working because they are becoming the industry standard. Look, Google can't compete with them, and they just, they're just they a multi-billion dollar company, and their product next compared to, at least on adoption right, doesn't even come close. Neither does yeah. Apple. Nobody does. Dropbox is the standard. Because they did it simple, they did it right, they gave you a very easy way to get a pro account to get more storage space. That's the way it should be done. And, it, and it's heartening to see a company like Dropbox not caving in, selling out and seeing this product disappear and they're forging ahead. I I love that. Same thing with Twitter. Same thing with Twitter. They were offered to be bought a bunch of times. They didn't do it. Yeah, no, I I agree. I I think um, it must be hard when you're, you know, you go from being very small to very big quickly, you know, and you do get big chunks of money being thrown at you. But I guess it says something about about the um, 
the motivation of the people behind each of these products that they you know some of them have a strong enough vision that they believe that they can do it themselves and they don't need somebody to come in and take it away from them that's no, right no, no matter how big the check is so we're going to take uh, one more uh, quick break we're going to come back and uh, talk about square some feedback and how to contact us we'll be right back hey everybody this is lee douglas of old time rock and roll the world's largest podcast i want to invite you every single week to learn a little bit about the music that began the popular music craze in the 20th century we are here 24 hours a day seven days a week all for you 450 theme shows in our archives right now and you can listen and we never play a song more than three times a year no other oldie show can say that they can't because they don't have 110,000 records from the 1950s and 1960s only on old time rock and roll www.oldtimernr.com Oh, and did I mention we actually take requests, dedications, and challenges. So if you think you can stump the DJ on 50s and 60s rock and roll, here is the place to be. Old time rock and roll. Last segment. Ooh, what was that? You okay? You fall over? It's my uh, my headset slipped. Yeah, let's just want to make sure you didn't pass out, have an epileptic seizure or something, and you're laying there in a pool of blood. No, I'll do that later. Okay, good. I schedule mine as well. Yeah. Uh, have you ever really looked at the uh, the product Square? These are the credit card people. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm aware of it, but um, I don't know very much about it because you can't get it in the UK. So for those in the US who can get it, uh, I have a Square... Uh, card reader. I haven't signed up yet. I'm going to because my wife is very interested in this product. And when my wife is interested in something like this, that's very techy. Uh, I think more people are going to be interested in it. Yeah. And uh, it's a really simple premise, David. Let's say you're going to have a garage sale. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you would like to sell whatever it is in the garage sale to anybody, not just with cash or a check, but with a credit card. Well, how does this mere mortals accept credit cards? Back in the day, you'd have to have a merchant account. and It, it was expensive. Yeah. With Square, uh, when you sign up, you give it your bank routing information. Uh, you get a login and all that. Every time you use it, someone swipes their credit card, Square keeps 2.75% of the purchase and sends the rest of it to your bank account. So if you're having a garage sale, you can accept credit cards. And it's done on your iPhone or your iPad. They just swipe their credit card, they sign the the iPhone, and that's it. Done. It's an amazing bit of technology. It's 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 uh, I, I it's, really, it's magic really, to me, dude. Yeah, I really wish that we had this because I could. You will. You guys will get I it. Ca- I could imagine so many. I mean, like, I have a friend here at the office who um, who owes me twenty five pounds. Yeah, and uh, she'll pay me eventually when she gets around. But she has to remember to bring in the cash, and every time she sees me, go, oh yeah, I've got to remember I owe you that money. Now, if I had one of these, she I, she just 
Give pull me out, the money. Pull out away. your phone, hold it out. Swipe, yeah. swipe it, baby. Yes. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it would transform my gigolo business. It, oh, absolutely. <laughs> if you could take credit cards. And here's yeah. the thing. Imagine here in the United States, Girl Scout cookie sales is, is a big thing. And, of course, that's cash or check. They could use that. Yeah. Maybe you'd have to charge 2.75% extra just to cover the difference, but still. Actually, you'd yeah, have to be you more know than what? that. You know what? 2.75% is nothing. Yeah, it's, it's cheaper than PayPal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, for the for the convenience and the satisfaction of getting paid immediately... I don't think that's that's a very that's a very small that's a very large price to pay at all. Visa, Visa, Visa Mastercard, yeah. American Express, and Discover—the yeah. four big ones. Money <clears> in <throat> your account is worth more to you than money somebody owes you. So if you have to pay two point seven five percent less, we get the money straight away. Pretty cool. iPhone, iPad, and Android. So the hardware device is, is quite nifty as well because it goes. You'd have thought it'd go in the dock connector, but it doesn't. It goes in the headphone port. Yep. Well, I wonder how it's. Is it is it kind of sending an audio signal down there? Yeah, just like a card reader would connected to a phone line. Yeah, I guess that's that's very very nifty. Very and, very nifty. Now, have you had anybody? Um, do you think anybody would be worried about how safe this is if they've never seen it before? Because let's face it, you could be a, a you know a mega hardware hacker and just have have come up with a card reader that basically is just taking people's numbers and then going and charging who knows what from their account. I think most people are pretty smart. Um, you could tell the shady from the unshady people. Yeah, yeah. PayPal's coming out with a competitor to this, by the way. Really? Yeah. Which is very interesting to me as well. Now, here's the problem. If you're a business, if you're a, an existing business, like, say, Mac Specialist, you can't use this because you cannot tie it into your existing merchant account. Uh, you also can't tie it into your inventory control system, anything like that. But if so you, it is, yeah, it's, it's literally a personal yes. payment mechanism. Same thing pretty much with the PayPal, except Mac Specialist has a PayPal account because we sell you know, older stuff on uh, eBay. Yeah. So we could actually use the PayPal one. We could use this one too, except again, it doesn't tie into our inventory control or it bypasses our, uh, uh, you know, our security protocols with our merchant account. You see that the the thing is for me is, is the problem I have with PayPal and, you know, eBay is that if you, if you factor in the eBay final value fees and then the PayPal charges I pay on top, gets quite expensive it does you know but um, but with square it's 2.75 percent and look i'm not i I haven't not used this product i'm not endorsing it i haven't used it yet when my wife starts using it i'll you know give you guys an update i just think this idea is really really cool i think it's uh it's empowering people kind of like what i was saying about the the small software developers and stuff this empowers anybody with a ios or an android device to be able to accept credit cards. That's amazing. Yeah. We've come a long way. Absolutely. Um, quickly, I wanted to talk about a uh, product that was sent for review. It's from a company called Quirky. Q-U-I-R-K-Y. And I'll put notes to uh, all the stuff that we talked about that I remember anyways. 
uh, on the Tech Fan Podcast website. Uh, it'll be under Tech Fan number 77. So if you want to find links, you don't want to write this down on the dash, on the dust on your dashboard while you're driving. Just, just go to techfanpodcast.com, find show 77. If you're listening to this show within a week of coming out, it'll be the top link. And you'll find links to everything we're talking about here. So if you if you can think of anything that I should be putting in links, David, send it to me over in the chat, please. And I'll, okay. I will include it. Uh, this product is kind of neat. And <clears throat> I don't usually uh, do a lot of product reviews for my Mac anymore. I just don't have the time. Mm-hmm. But this was kind of a product that actually did solve a problem that I was having, which was, I've got too many damn iPhones here. <laughs> you know, I've got, I've got my I got my iPhone. My wife has hers. Brittany has her 3GS. And we've got three other iPhones that are no longer, you know, phones at this point. They're just glorified iPod touches. And plus two iPads. But take the iPads out of the equation right now for this, because this isn't really built for iPad. It's called the Converge. And it's kind of this, I don't know how to describe it, David. Here, let me... It's a docking solution. Here, here's the link. How would you describe the shape of that? It's kind of a... Half an S, I guess. I'll just wait for the page to load. (laughs) Rest and recharge. Yeah, it's kind of... It looks looks like a futon. Yeah, very good. Very good. Yeah, I knew you'd you'd hit it out of the park. (laughs) And, it, and it's got a little strip on the bottom that you can put your uh, power cables up through. It's got a USB yeah. hub on the back, which is a little bit problematic because it's only got four ports, David. And one of those ports, you really need to go to the computer so you can sync. But if you're just looking for recharging, you can hide all your cables underneath it. They poke up through this little dock thing here. And uh, it, it works. It's a little, eh, a little janky feel. It's kind of cheapy plastic. It it has its own power source. Yeah, Quirky is also a, they're a little bit like Kickstarter, kind of. So um, they they crowdsource their stuff. People submit ideas, and then um, people on the site kind of vote for the products they want to see. And um, yeah, so uh, and it, this was developed in a month. So it's like kind of like a design student sort of thing, really. Mm-hmm. Um, now I have I have a couple of. Um, products like this at home that i use for our devices i have um there's a griffin stand that actually has like two docks on it for iphones that um kind of sits around and just gives gives you two or three charging ports that looks a little bit like that and i also have something called um i think it's called idat which uh, is is a similar sort of thing it's like a base with um, four or five slots in, and you can get different adapters that slot in and that slot in and give you different port connectors. So you can have I have I have one with uh, two iPhone uh, dock connectors sticking up, and one with um, kind of a mini USB for charging, um, you know, USB devices. And then I have a Nintendo DS thing for it as well. So you know, similar sort of thing. I, I, you know, if you, the only problem with a product like this, I find, is you do have to be kind of 
you, you kind of have to be kind of OCD about charging your devices. You can't I, just um, leave them lying around. You've got to think to yourself, right, well, I'm going to bed now. Before I go to bed, I've got to put all the devices on the dock to charge so they're all ready for me for the morning. And if you do that, they work very well. Is that you? you? You're wandering around saying, I need to charge everything now. Um, I've got a charger in my bedroom. So when I'm yeah. done reading my iPad at night, I plug it in there. I mean, it's, otherwise it's just going to sit on the table next to me all night long, and it's, you know. Yeah. Um, so I do that. I also do that in the hotels when I'm in, you know, there, obviously. Uh, when I'm at home, though, I've, I've been looking for something like this. I actually said that I was going to make it out of wood, but I'm just not that ambitious. Um, <laughs> yeah. I.e. lazy. Um, I'm looking for it online here. Where would I find it? Uh, here we go. Let me find it on this. I bought what I'm using right now. Here it is. I found it. It cost me twenty dollars. It, it's listed at twenty ninety nine on the website. But here's the link to the. This is actually what I'm using. It's a. It's Office Max mesh four shelf two sided desk sorter. And. Yes. And so I, it's, yeah, it's, it's the sort of thing you have on your on your desk, and you put envelopes and papers in. Right, and it's exact. It, it's perfect for an iPad. What I did is I poked holes in the wire mesh in the back of it, and I yeah. threaded my cables through there. Now on the top of it, that's where I keep all the iPhones. Um, and and I, to be honest, I got to stack a couple on top of each other, but that's fine. So half of the plugs on top don't sync to anything; they're just power. The other ones are connected to my hub, which goes into my computer so you can sync. On the second shelf is my syncing cable for an iPad. So you see the second shelf down? Yeah. Right now, that's where Julie's iPad is, and it's syncing with the computer. The one below that has another cable, which does not sync. It's just power. And on the one below that is where the fire is and the two DSs. And now on there, it has this little, uh, yeah, little thing on the side. What do you call that? A little pocket, I guess. Yeah. I've got my uh, audio mix board on the one on the left hand side, and on the right hand side, that's where all the headphones and styluses and stuff like that go. It works absolutely brilliant, David. It just it just works, and it was twenty bucks. Cool stuff. I so like how much it. it- how much is the converged thing again? It was thirty five, was it? 31? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's thirty nine ninety nine. And while it's neat, it's it's that cheap, plasticky, white. And I know I yeah. said I wanted to get the white thing, but this is a different. This is cheapy plastic. It, yeah, I, I don't this, like it. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, as I say, you know where it's come from. It's kind of a design student thing that's you know well here's the problem with it plastic when you look at the picture okay it shows that i could plug it in but the opening for the cord you have to then push the power plug back down there so that your ios device actually will sit up yeah it's not well designed it's got big problems i think for half the money instead of 40 i paid 20 to get this office max mesh Four shelf, and I'm going to put a link. Anybody in the U.S. could buy this, and I'm sure anywhere else in the world you can do a search and find it in your country, or at least on Amazon that you can get it sh- shipped to you. But I'll, I'll put a I'll put a link in the show notes for what I am using that I think is awesome. 
Yeah, I, I mean, pretty much any office store will sell something of, of a similar kind of ill. I was looking for one no. like this that I could put my cords through, and it would pinch it just a little bit so they wouldn't yeah. fall out. I could have got, like, a cheap plasticky thing, but... Yeah. yeah. You, you, you want something with a, you know, a metal mesh that's fairly tight, so right. you can... It's got rubber so, feet so it underneath it. Rubber feet underneath, so it doesn't slide around on the desk. Yeah. And it's because it's a grid, it doesn't collect dust. It's really nice. I like it a lot. I think it's a perfect solution for what I'm doing. It's funny. We've we've all moved to iPhones in the office. And you daily hear people going around saying, "Has anyone got a dock cable? Has anyone got a dock cable? I need to charge my phone." <laughs> you know, I mean, this is an ongoing problem with with devices now. Is is you know keeping them charged and having them somewhere to put them while you're charging them. The advantage of these stands is you can see kind of where they're up to yep. I, I often I often stick when I'm in a hotel room stick my iPhone on a stand so it's plugged in so I can run a, a, an alarm application on it and a clock so it's always displaying the time at night on a nice big clock face so I can see what time it is if I wake up in the night the uh, I, I, oh, this is the wrong one let me find it here uh, I must have spelled it wrong I hate when I do that is it a K? Let me see. Yeah. Hmm. I thought it was an X. It's a company called Cumatics. And that's not it. Am I getting it right, David? Remember I talked about this a couple weeks ago about the uh, folio case? You know what? I'm yeah, just... I, remember you, I remember you talking about it, but I can't remember how you spelt it. Yeah, let me... Uh, I think it's Cumatics. Uh, let me do a quick search on TechFan. Uh, there it is. Cumatics. Let me do a search over here for Cumatics. And is that it? Yes. So it's spelled Q-M-A-D-I-X. And the reason I bring this up is because uh, they sent me some cables. Wh- Whoopie-doo, right? Who, do, yeah. who doesn't have cables for their iPhone? Well, the difference is these ones have this little blue light on the cable itself. And I tell you, at night, when you want to plug in, this tiny little blue light shines, and you can see it. It's called the USB Charging Data Sync Cable for the uh, Apple iPod and iPad. Right. Uh, they don't have prices here. Um, here, I'll send you the link directly to the product that I'm talking about. But it, it's not a bright light, but it's you, you could see it. I use these cables on this black uh, shelf that I'm using, the mesh shelf. Yeah. Oh, it makes finding the cables end so good. And the only tie- side that lights up is the side that goes up on your iOS uh, device. See, that's... Yeah, that's pretty cool. Isn't that cool? That is cool. So in, instead of fumbling, why isn't it going in? Oh, I've got the stupid cable upside down. If you see the light, yeah. it's right. If you don't see the light, you've got it upside down. Uh, now, now, does the light kind of light the bottom of the device a little bit as well? Because sometimes what Just, I find that... No, no, it does, it's not that no. bright. It's not that bright. It's almost like a glow-in-the-dark dot Right. that's been uh, exposed to light for a while. So it's bright enough to see... But it's not bright enough that's going to annoy you. It's not like an LED. Right. It's. I like it a lot. I think these are great cables. 
I do have some devices with blue LEDs on and they're like searchlights. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So uh, just a couple things that I wanted to share. Um, I think these are the kind of things I would like to know about. And if somebody else knew about it, why didn't you tell me? Because that's exactly what I was looking for. All right. Well, I got one final one for you. I Good. don't have a link for this, but um, what I did is about well, a couple of months ago, I was having a chat with a friend of the show, Pat Mann. Yeah. You know Pat, yeah? Of course. Um, we've met him at Matwell a couple of times. Yeah. So so he was telling me that um, he uh, he knew people on eBay who were selling... Still there? Yep. All I heard was he knew people on eBay that was selling. Okay. He knew people. They're obviously listening. Yes, they're they're uh, trying to block you out. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Who were selling uh, dock and sync cables for the iPod and the iPad. But they were like, it's it's like, they're from Hong Kong, but they're like crazy cheap. It's like 20 cables, all different colors for um, kind of like, you know, three, four pounds. Wow. So I thought, oh, well, you know, let's take a punt on these. Now, I'm always a bit skeptical about stuff on eBay from, from China and Hong Kong because a lot of it is bilge. You know, it's really poorly made and doesn't work. These were pretty good. Um, and I got a whole load of different colors. And they're really good when, you, you know, when you're <laughs> trying to find out where's the end that needs to plug into the thing because I have a mass of cables here and it's in, plugged into my, into my uh, iPod, but I'm not getting any charge. You know, it's obviously not connected to the USB port. You know, have, having a whole load of different color ones rather than four white ones is great. Oh, yeah. That, uh, makes, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And also, as well, I found that they make great gifts because everybody likes to have an iPod <coughs> cable with a different color than white. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, you, know, you can pick up all sorts of stuff, you know, because the, the kind of the Chinese, um, the Chinese uh, tiger economy has really got, got into this stuff now. You know, if you want... Um, 15 different color styluses for your uh, iPod or your iPad. Uh, you can pick those up for a few dollars now as well, and they'll send a whole bundle to you, which, again, they make great gifts for people. I, uh, I, got, I got a whole load of these, and um, I had 20 on my desk, and I, I bought them. I literally paid £1.49 wow. plus, plus a little bit of shipping for, um, for 10 multicolor, different colors of uh, iPad styluses. And um, thanks to the, for the success of that, um, what's that game where you draw? Where it's a bit like uh, win, lose, or draw on the iPhone. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Fred, draw friends or something like that. Yeah. Thanks to the success of that, I literally um, had five or six of them. Get, I gave them away to people in the office as soon as they arrived. Because people went, oh, what are those? Oh, can I have one of those? It would be great for playing that game on, on my iPhone. Uh, you know, and people uh, people were like cackling around the office about how they were now beating their friends at this game because they could draw better because they had a stylus, <laughs> and it was like it was like peanuts, you know. Yeah. So if you ever need the kind of those bits and pieces, take a look at um, the cheap eBay stuff as well. Uh, before we wrap up here, David, um, we got some feedback. This is a uh, <coughs> excuse me. I've got a sinus thing going on right now. This is from uh, last episode. Let me uh, pull up my email because I'm looking at the wrong thing here because I didn't, I didn't put in here who it was from. Uh, Peter Bird. And, uh, of course, last week you weren't here and Guy and I were talking about some of our issues with Facebook and some of the things that they've been doing lately, which neither one of us really like too much. Can you hear the puppies barking in the other room? 
I can. Yes. Sounds cute, don't they? Rawr, rawr. Um, so Peter writes, uh, hello, Tim, just finished listening to the show. Um, he was, he's, he was sat listening to me and guy talking about Facebook and I'm going to, yeah, seen that and just had to, what? And just had that happen to me. Um, I had to remove all my photos and everything else remotely, uh, private about two weeks ago, simply because I don't like where this could lead. Uh, now with you guys highlighting just how bad it is, I'm seriously consider never using it again. I, for one, want to be able to watch videos without giving out my life story. I'm glad you're showing people um, this. They need to realize how intrusive this really is. I think Peter's right. And I'm not saying I'm not advocating quitting Facebook. I know you're not a fan and you don't really you've got an account, but you don't really use it. Yeah. Um, I do use Facebook quite a bit and I'm not advocating quitting it. If you like Facebook, great. But I am a firm believer of knowing what you're getting into before you get into it or letting people know what's going on that you may not really be aware of or have seen something and didn't realize what the implications of what you're seeing is. Yeah, the the problem is Facebook can be perfectly safe, but you have to spend a lot of time in the security options kind of really identifying what it is you want what you're going to use it for and what you want them to be able to do with it. The difficulty is every time they make a change, you need to go in and do that again. And so the problem I have, one of the problems I have with Facebook is how can I, how can I recommend to a, somebody who's not on there, if I post a photo on there, what to do so they can use it? Because they, to, you know, they, if they don't have an account, they just go in an account and they go in and set all of those settings before, before they can even look at a picture. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, it's becoming this generic opt-in type of thing where somebody pings you a mail or pings you a message or puts something on your wall saying, just like me. And as soon as by doing that, you don't realize that you're signing up to a whole load of um, marketing stuff, basically. Um, and um, for me, Facebook, the, the beauty of Facebook was always about the fact that it was an easy way for you to keep in touch and distribute stuff with your circle of friends. Yeah, the the problem is the money part of Facebook is about using it as a marketing platform, and um, if that's not what you want, then you can't really be on there because that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and it will it will, you know, they've just gone private. They've just privatized themselves today. Just gone public today. Sorry, you know. So that will become more and more so because that's what justifies the huge share price that they're getting for it now. Um, and um, people only pay that sort of money because they think they're going to get some real value out of it, and that value is all about advertising and profiling and understanding what people are doing. And um, I, when you are, most people aren't really very comfortable with that. So on uh, show seventy-five, Potterific, <clears throat> Peter Bird also uh, sent some feedback, actually in the show notes. So I just sent that over to you on uh, Skype yeah, here. If you want to read that. I saw this. And, and by the way, I, I, he, he wrote the other one well. I just mangled reading it back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the sinuses. I keep feeling like I have to hack up something, and I don't want to do that while I'm you know recording a show. Yeah. So he goes, Hello, Tim and David. I really like the show. have been listening for a while. I, for one, would like to see someone make a decent capacity iPad for the simple reason so iPad don't sit on their butts thinking, Oh, we don't need to do anything here. It's so great. 
At the moment, none of the tablets seem up to the challenge. I thought maybe the Kindle Fire might be, but seeing as it's only in, in the US after all this time, it can't have done that well, I think. I will have to try the iOS games you mentioned. They seemed interesting. I'm going to be poor. Yeah, I dread to think how much I've spent on iOS software. I, I'd hate to look. And Rim, well, what can I say other than why? For the love of all things, keep up the great show. <laughs> and, of course, he's asking why to Rim about their open your eyes or whatever. Wake up. That whole promotion debacle that they did. and. Yep. Uh, and I just want a competitor to the iPad because, and I've said this before, and I'm proud of it, I personally want choice because, well, you know why, don't you, David? Yeah, it's more stuff to buy. That's right. I want more, I want more toys. Yeah. <laughs> We'd love to hear from uh, you guys out there. Simply go to techfanpodcast.com. You'll see a menu at the top called Contact Us. It asks for your name, email, subject, and message. Uh, hit submit, and we'll get that message. It'll, it'll actually generate an email coming directly to David and I. We don't keep your email address. We aren't going to share it with any spammer, so you don't have to worry about that. Or you can simply contact us by leaving a message underneath the comments for the show that you want to comment on. Go to, yeah. for instance, last week, Guy and I talked, and uh, we did that privacy. That's where Peter's message came from he he actually replied to it as a comment on the website so please do so we you know the the more comments david we get it means that we don't have to work so hard to come up with content to talk about we can simply uh answer questions and stuff like that because we're lazy we're lazy we are we are very lazy yes but it's not going to seem like it when you look at the website for episode 77 because we're going to have hey get your butt back in the kitchen get in puppies are exploring I've told, I've told you not to talk to your wife about like that you know here's the funny thing uh, you know these dogs are relatively you know they're only four weeks old man they they grow up so quick david i know you have you started your college fund for them yet yes yeah uh, one of them's been accepted to harvard already so we're quite proud of that uh but anyways uh 77 is going to look like we're we were not lazy because they're going to have a lot of links in the show notes. Who'd have thunk that at the beginning we were going, what are we going to talk about today? Yeah, that's the thing. So you, got, you guys don't listen to, before we, I hit record, you don't hear the conversation. Literally, David's been gone all week. I've been gone yeah. for two weeks. We didn't do a show together last week. We haven't talked, even via email, in two weeks. I sent yeah. David a text uh, yesterday. I said, you good to record tomorrow? And you said, yep, should be. That was it. Yeah. We get together today, and I'm like, so you got anything you want to talk about? Yeah, I got, not really. Maybe that Adobe thing. Okay, I got uh, a couple of things. Uh, yeah, and for anybody who's disappointed with the quality of the show, <laughs> now you know why. Now you know why. <laughs> we put zero effort into preparing. And it's not because we, we don't want to. It's just yeah, real life gets in the way. And let's be honest, David, you and I are pretty good at riffing on things. Yeah, one one day when we're both independently wealthy, then we'll be able to, um, you know, plan these things out ahead of time. This will be a daily show when we're independently. Yeah, Monday through Friday, get together every 10 o'clock in the morning. You'll have a little yeah. recording studio. I will as well. Maybe yeah. I'll buy a decommissioned Concorde, just fly over occasionally. <laughs> All right, David, I'm going to wrap the show up. I got to go see why these puppies are growling and barking, and hopefully they didn't pee in the dining room. Ugh. 
Let's all pray for that, shall we? Uh, I'm so sick of puppy pee, man. Did you know, by the way, if you're eating right now, stop. 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 You don't want to hear. <laughs> if you're eating you're, right now, there's there's fine. nothing left in the show that you're going to want to hear if you're eating. Yeah. Okay. On three, two, one. David, did you know that when puppies pee, the mom will actually lick the pee up? Oh, man. Oh, it's so nasty. You know I, threw, I didn't know I, that, and I didn't want to know I that. threw up in my mouth a little bit just thinking about it. Every time Bella does it, I'm like, Ugh. Oh, well, if you throw up in your mouth, spit that out and see if the dog will lick that out. Oh, see, you took it to another level. <laughs> you took it to another. That's not on me right there. That's on you. <laughs> well, that's what moms do because uh, I read about it. It's because, A, they're trying to keep the area clean because, you know, that would be bad for puppies. That's one reason. And, B, so predators don't find it and no look there's puppies close by not that the little yiping and barking wouldn't give them away but you know anyways just thought i would share that very gross thing that i've learned in the last couple weeks because i hope uh, i hope don't let the dog lick you after that oh god no 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 anyways so with that uh horrible horrible image in your head listeners i'm tim robertson he's david cohen we'll see you next week bye Thank you.